when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think maybe this morning I should have listened to the Lord. About quarter to eight, Marcia gets up to go to the bathroom, I assume. I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> and she comes back and she shakes me and says, it's a quarter to eight, shouldn't you be up? And my alarm didn't go off. And somebody was working outside on the electric wires and had shut the power off to our grid. And so I could still be sleeping if she hadn't woken me. And I think maybe that was the Lord saying, just stay away from church today, okay? But uh, it's all my wife's fault that I'm here. And we're going to talk about some interesting verses. Verses that some of you are going to arch your back towards. Some of you are going to say, amen, brother, you need to preach that. And uh, all of it is going to be interesting one way or another. So to set the scene here, let me take you back to a day when maybe you went to the doctor and he gives you a prescription or she gives you a prescription and you go get the prescription filled and with that prescription is a long sheet of paper that lists what the drug is and all kinds of instructions on words you can't understand, right? You know what I'm talking about? And of course it says read the instructions before you take the medication that you have. Now, how many of you read all of those instructions? Good, five of you. I like it. The rest of us say, okay, the doctor said take this many, and that's fine. I'll do that. Well, the problem is, is that we were supposed to follow the instructions. Now, what happens if you decide, and guys are really good at this, what if we decide we know better, we'll just take what we think we should take? or not take what we think we shouldn't take. And so we do that, and sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it is not. This morning, we have some instructions from the Lord. And it doesn't matter if we like the medication or not. It doesn't even matter if if we don't feel real good when we start taking the medication because somebody who knows more about it than we do has said to us, take the medication and take it like this. So with that in mind, let's look, first of all, at where we have been in the past. In chapter 3, and you know that as we've moved through Colossians, and by the way, if you're visiting with us today, 
we're going through the book of Colossians and you just got here on the Sunday we get to talk about wives and husbands and children and and slaves and all of those things aren't you lucky I like that you'll see what we're like around here some way or another so here we have in chapter 3 and for their sakes let's review what is the whole purpose that Paul is trying to get across to us what is he saying to us as we live this Christian life remember we are in the doing part we were more in the theology part at the beginning but now we're in the doing part so what are his instructions to us how would you narrow this down stay away from bad stuff find the good stuff and do it okay I like that what else seek to please God first Okay, anything else? All right, so, so our relationship to God will affect our relationships to others here on earth, okay? You said it better than I did, but it's all I could remember. <laughs> anything else? Yes? Read the scriptures. You know, figure out what our instructions are. Okay, I, I like that. Because basically the theme of the whole thing and of all scripture is Jesus is Lord. Do you accept that? Be careful now. Do you accept that? Jesus is Lord. And when we receive Jesus as Lord... That means that things change. And we have to realize then that, that he made everything, you know, he and the Father, that he owns everything, and thus he owns each of us, and he owns our families. Can you agree with that? Because Jesus is our Lord, because we have come to the point where we say, all right, Lord, not my will but thine. All right, Lord, I give myself totally to you. Let me be pleasing to you. Just what Mary was saying. Let me follow the things that you would have me follow. So when we declared that Jesus is our Lord, we turned the keys to every aspect of our life, our possessions, our future, and our spouse and children. So, take a moment and look at your family. They do not belong to you anymore. Some of you are saying, amen, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they don't belong to you anymore. They belong to him. And since they belong to him, we are responsible to him for how we treat them. Are you with me so far? Do you disagree with me? Well, I better say, if you do, you better speak now. Because I, I think I'm on sound biblical ground that we are His, that we turn our family to Him, that we are to follow His desire for us. So as we look at Colossians chapter 3, we find a description of how God expects us to treat what belongs to Him. Get this now. Not a description 
of how the people in our family are to treat us. It is not about us. Let me warn you here. As we look at these different aspects, the tendency is for us to say, See, it says right there in the Bible, you're supposed to do that. Let go of that right now. The only thing you have to worry about is what does it say about you? Not about others, but about you. So, what happens if when the doctor gives us a prescription, we do our own thing, and sometimes it doesn't go so well? The same is true when we get God's word, and he tells us how it is to be, and we refuse to follow. I, I remember I read about a study that was done, and, and it... it it surveyed Christians about this passage. And I think the figure was something like 69% didn't like what they read in this passage. Hmm. My will, O Lord, or thine will, O Lord? So, what kind of instructions do we have? But before we go, Maggie, I told you to go back to verses 12 through 14 because I, I want to set this up with those verses that we've already been through. You know, earlier it talked about putting to death certain things in us, and then it talked about putting on certain things. Well, look at verse 12, and we'll look at this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, it's easy just to read that and say, okay. But as he begins to get more specific, it gets to be harder. Because it's easy for me to look at that and say, oh, I am to be compassionate. Okay, I will need to be compassionate. I need to be kind. Okay, I need to be kind. Hey, humble and gentle and patient. Okay, I need to be those. But, but when that rubber hits the road... When we get in our families with our relationships, all of a sudden, it's not as easy because it becomes more specific. Look at verse 13. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Did the Lord forgive you a lot? Every day, right? But look at verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, those of you who have been here before, we talked about all those things, didn't we? We preached about those things. But now we get to some interesting verses. And, and these verses, my goodness, let's go to verse 18. Wives, I love this verse. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean to say that. Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, I can't do this. No, Dennis, I can't do this. Dennis, I can't. You know the trouble I'm going to be? There are people out here that are staring darts at me right now. 
And so you know what I do when God's word says something like that? And I'm up here preaching it. And I'm not sure my life is safe if I preach that. You know what I do? <laughs> That's close. But instead, I asked Mary to come up and <laughs> preach on that. So Mary, come on up. <laughs> that was one long introduction, wasn't it? It was. He was for, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> Mary is a pastor here in the church, and uh, we do different things once in a while, and we thought this might be fun to throw this back and forth to each other. And since ladies tend to listen to ladies better, especially on this subject, than they would to me. You just want them to be mad at me instead. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So tell us about this. What does this mean? It means to submit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at this. I looked at the Greek. I looked at different translations. I went through. It's like there's got to be a loophole. <laughs> there has to be a loophole because this verse is one of the most hated verses in the Bible by women. And I studied and studied and studied and it's submit, pure and simple. It's submit. And the problem with this verse and the reason it's so difficult is men yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this verse, yeah, yeah, but not the one that comes after. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I got an amen. Notice that. Stay okay. focused on verse 18, Mary. <laughs> You know, there are three pairs of commands here. It's so easy to take the first of the two and forget the second one. So as the passage goes, stay wait, focused on you know, 18, Mary. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll submit. Okay, because. <laughs> By the way, we're not married in case no, you're visiting and there wondering. There is a master slave thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. I'm not sure which one's which, so. <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> okay, so the word for submit means, and listen, ladies, to this, because it really is a beautiful thing. If you put it into practice the way God meant for us to, it means ready to renounce your will, our will, for the sake of others and to give precedence to others. Wives, at this point, they were already owned by their husbands. They had to obey. And so this was a matter of attitude. This wasn't a matter of legalism. See, these days we, we have women's rights. But when this was written, they did not. And so it was very significant that Paul said, submit. And he's talking submitting to Christ through submitting to your husband. And that submission is to be joyful. It's the rubber hitting the road that, yeah, we're to follow the leadership of our husbands, but we're to do it for their sake. I, I love in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2, it says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. That's quite a beautiful thing, is it not? Do you love your husband enough to submit to him 
so that he'll see Christ in you. Not because he's the boss. Not because it's his right. But because it's how you serve Christ and how you help him to grow in Christ. Then it's a little easier to swallow, don't you think? Because you're doing it for the right reason. So this is how to live out verse 13. To put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Through submitting to your husband for his sake. Well, Is that you, so hard? I, I, I thought it made lots of sense. I mean, I'm not the one you have to get across on this one. I'm already there. Good. I'm glad you're there. Let's hear the next verse. Well, let me finish on this one first. You know, it's, it's not ladies just submitting because you love your husband that much, but it's also submitting because you love God yep. that much. And when he tells us this is what you are to do, then whether you, you love your husband or not, that's what your responsibility is. But, but I can say something like, well, what if my husband doesn't deserve it? Well, he doesn't. You're right. <laughs> and, and nobody deserves it. The only one that deserves to be submitted to is Christ. So when we don't have that submission thing to people, we still have to come back to God's word and say, okay, what does that say? It says, submit, submit to your husband. But I don't want to. Well, he understands that. But he says, will you submit to me then? And in so doing, will you then submit to your husband? Very spiritual. And, and very much a thing of who is Lord of our life? Is it Christ or is it ourselves? So tough passage for you ladies. Don't laugh, guys. Look at the next verse. Let's look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, Mary talked about what the situation was back then, that women really had no position. In fact, there was not only no position there, but there really wasn't particularly love in a relationship. You know, it wasn't so much getting married because you loved each other. So when Paul comes out and says, this is what you men are to do, that's a big revelation. Because the men would be saying, wait a minute, she's just somebody I kind of own. Somebody that's there for me. What do you mean this whole idea of love? But see, Scripture says that God loved us first men, women, and because of that love that God had for us, that we are then to love each other. You see, that is an obligation. We've been given an example of that, men, and now our obligation, because God tells us to, is for us to love our wives. Now, understand it is much easier for your wife to submit to you if you love her. Other than if you are tyrannizing them. Is that a word, tyrannizing? Yeah. Uh, you get the idea if it's not. You, you understand that, man? If they know that you love them, that you have their best interests at stake, it's easier for them to submit. Now, can I say to you, okay, your wife doesn't have to submit to you if you don't show love to her. That's not what it says. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. But 
It also says, husbands, love your wives. I mean, that's an obligation. That is our part. I, I like a quote that I, I read by Martin Luther. He says, of course, the Christian should love his wife. He is supposed to love his neighbor. And since his wife is his nearest neighbor, she should be his deepest love. Wow, I like that. So guys, love your wife. But guys, it also says that we are to be the head of the household. By the way, gentlemen, look at the women are leaving already. <laughs> and we're to the guys. Gentlemen, this is not something that we have earned as head of our household. It is something that God has given us. So guess what? Because he's given this to us, we are accountable to him. If we are not accountable, if we are not doing what he says, we're in big trouble. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And by the way, when I preached through Ephesians, I think I was gone on this week. On purpose, I preached the wives submit passage. It's just <laughs> lucky draw, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church. You see, we must lead men as Christ loved. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? What did he do? He washed feet, didn't he? He was interested in the spiritual growth, wasn't he? What was the ultimate price he paid? He died for you and me. He died for the church. Husbands, do you love your wife that much? Well, I don't care. You do it anyway. Because God's word tells us. By the way, Marjorie, you put up verse 23. You know, as we look at each one of these areas, we need to come back to this verse each time. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You see, it always comes back to that. What does Jesus want? He wants wives to submit. He wants men to love. But it doesn't stop there. Well, I wanted to add to the idea of love. So the word for love here is? Agapao. Agapao, okay, agape is what you know it more as. And that love is the same love that Jesus has for us. And I don't know about you, but it helps me to know what I'm supposed to do. It's like love, okay, does that mean romance? Take, take the wives out on Friday night? Of course do, it does. Well, that, and will the response from her be agape love? Or might it be a different kind of love? It might be a different and kind. And so for me, when I do weddings, I often use this passage, and I imagine you do too from 1 Corinthians. Here's the definition, husbands, for how you are to love your wives. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Always, that's a tough one, because wives are supposed to do this too. Love's, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I don't know about you wives, but when my husband loves me like that, piece of cake to submit. March, put up verse 13 again, if you would, please. Notice what Mary read there. Look at 13 again. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. Does this sound like what she just read? You may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. Wow. And in this case, it's not just forgive, it's forget. No record of wrongs. By, by the way, husbands, don't you dare on the way home today say, you remember verse 18? <laughs> what you say is, dear, you know, I really need to pay attention to verse 19. And by the way, wives, don't you in the car today going home say, aha, look at verse 19. If you did that, then I could... Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, you look at verse 18 and do what you're told. Okay, so wives submit, husbands love, children. You got more children than I have, so go ahead. Does that get him off the hook? Of course, Kristen always obeyed you, didn't she? Amen. <laughs> What happens to lie? Never mind. <laughs> you know, I've, I've said I'll never preach on raising children because how do I know? Those of you who have children, you have no clue what you're doing, do you? And, and even if you got it right with one and you have another, it might not be right with that one. So go ahead, Mary. You get to wait until you're a grandparent, then you're always right. There you go. <laughs> and if you're not, Amen? you just send them back. <laughs> What does it say about well, children? It talks about children obeying your parents. For this pleases the Lord. You know what? We're all children. Wait a this, minute. This... I have children down here in the front row that are not paying attention. Children, but that's because they're not obeying the pastors. Not... <laughs> no, but this is not just for little ones. This is for all of us that ha still have parents that we are dealing with. Obey your parents and everything. And again, here's another word. I looked it up. Okay? Is there, is there a different way to say this so it's not obey? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's simply that. Obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And, and the hard thing of this passage is what if the parents are abusive? That's the tough part. I had somebody ask me about this not very long ago, and mm -hmm. I grew up in a home like that. But I still obeyed my parents because that's what I was taught to do. And frankly, it made my life easier when I did. Parents do not have the right to harm their children. And God does not expect children to be in that environment. I believe that. In Acts 5.29, it says, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So if a human authority puts you in danger, that's different. This says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You're not obeying your parents just because you love them. You're not obeying them just because you really have to. Again, children were property. They were nothing at that time. You're obeying your parents so that you please Christ. It goes back to that same verse. Yeah, but 
if parents request them or tell them or demand that they do something that is not of Christ, that is not biblical? That's why the Acts verse applies, because mm -hmm. then it becomes a rule of man. It is not exactly. a rule of God. Mm -hmm. So it should not conflict. Right. Again, to me, Pastor Steve, it's like the wives submitting that to keep in mind children, it's to such as these that belong the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. that if obeying them is possible without harm, even if it's tough, they are being an example to their parents. Ah, so there's a ministry going there's on by the children. There's absolutely a ministry. So boys and girls, you're ministering to your parents by obeying your parents. Do you realize that? That you are teaching them, that you are showing them what it is like to have Christ at the center of your life. And, and sometimes, boys and girls, it is easier for you to have Christ at the center of your life, and, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Because as parents, we throw all kinds of other garbage in there that messes up our relationship to God. But you, you seem to have a clear channel. And you can be a great witness to mom and dad or to grandma and grandpa by being a Christian. Do you realize, is there a commandment on this? What is the commandment? Honor your father and your mother. Do you realize that is the only commandment with a promise? What is the promise to that? What's the rest of that? So that you may live long and enjoy the life on the land. Exactly. So, so boys and girls, there's a plus here. You know, this may be a difficult time for you. Because as you get older, as you become adolescents, all of a sudden you don't quite see eye to eye with mom and dad. And praise God for that. I truly believe this is the beginning, the way that God has made it, to begin to let you sprout your wings and to get you out of the house. It's best for you. It's best for your parents. <laughs> and neither of you may understand that totally. But how special that is, that, that as you rely upon God, as you minister to your parents, as you begin to sprout your wings, let me tell you, you're not going to win. All right? Have you had arguments with your parents? Oh, no, none of you. James, okay, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had arguments with your parents? Who wins? They always win. Well, of course they do. They're your parent. And that's the property piece. And that's the kind property. of. <laughs> and, and they do have the checkbook, so just, and the car keys. So just understand that. So good things yeah, here. Very much Tough so. things, but good things. All right. Are we ready to go to the next We're ready. part? I can't wait. It's look my at, favorite verse. Look at verse 21. Fathers. <laughs> why the fathers again? Do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged mothers do it all you want <laughs> it doesn't say mothers it's totally you know, male you, you know it's... mary is not the only one who went to the greek oh that's bad <laughs> now now the greek here is potter you know and we understand potter and fathers you know p a t e r and and it does mean father but it also can mean parents Aha, uh -huh, you go check that out. I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just, I, I just hoped you wouldn't. <laughs> why, why does that not surprise me? 
And so parents, it's all of us. It's not just fathers. But, but understand, fathers, in that day, as Mary said, children had no position at all. You think women had no position? Children had none. In fact, children were looked almost on the same level as a slave. You do what your father tells you to do. You do it. There's no arguing about it. There's none of that. You do what your father says. Even as you grow older, even as you get married, there is still that relationship that your father is in charge. Amen, dads? Yeah, right. Well, the other thing is in that day, too, the mothers had charge of the children until they turned seven. And then it was the father's responsibility to teach them. So that's why I believe it says fathers there specifically, because the women at that point step away. And, and how good that is. Dads, we have a responsibility, don't we? We have a responsibility that your children see you as father. You know, I, I'm heartbroken about all these families that have just one parent, and usually it's the mother. Great moms, thank you for doing what you do, but the children miss something when the father's not in the household. Fathers, do not embitter your children. So, okay, what does this embitter mean? One translation says exasperate. Others, the thinking is not to nag, not to vex, not to rouse to resentment. For they will become discouraged. And what does that mean? Disheartened, depressed, frustrated to exhaustion. They become then fair prey for Satan and the world. Do you understand that? If you embitter your children, then they look other places. Fathers, it is our responsibility. Yes, to raise our children. Yes, to discipline our children. But don't embitter them. Where's the line? That's a tough question. I'm not sure. But be careful, fathers, and be careful, mothers, that we don't embitter them. Can I add something Please to that? Do. You know, when I look through the, the same thing, looking through different translations, one of the commentaries said this become discouraged means that they go about their task in a listless, moody, sullen frame of mind. And I thought of my teenage son. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that normal <laughs> for teenagers to do that? <laughs> Adolescents, right? <laughs> but it really gave me pause as a parent because I thought, okay, I need to make sure that my children, when they are in that frame of mind, that there's nothing I need to do differently. Maybe I haven't been encouraging them enough. Maybe I have embittered them and not meant to. And so it was a good checkpoint for me when I looked at that. Because there is just one Almighty, and it's not us. And yet sometimes we think we have to rule with a strong, hard, right. harsh thumb. Yeah, it's been said, and I like this. Rearing children is like holding a very wet bar of soap. Too firm a grasp, and it shoots from your hand. Too loose a group, and it slides away. A gentle but firm grasp keeps it in your control. Hmm. Next time in the shower, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> All right, not long, but... Warren Wiersbe once said, children don't create problems, they reveal them. Oh dear. I look at my daughter and I see what she's like and I think to myself, oh Lord, where did she get that? 
and I know. Have you heard this? And, and I've heard it, and you probably have. If a child lives with criticism, they learn to condemn. If they live with hostility, they learn to fight. If they live with ridicule, they learn to be shy. If they learn, learn, live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If they live with tolerance, they learn to be patient. If they learn, live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If they live with praise, they learn appreciation. If they live with fairness, they learn justice. With security, they learn faith. With approval, they learn to like themselves. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, they learn to find love in the world. So the question comes, fathers and mothers, how are we doing? How are we doing in this? There was another survey done, and it found that fathers were said to spend only 37 seconds a day in conversation with their children. Is that true? 37 seconds a day. Does text, text message count? <laughs> <laughs> My husband texts our kids all the time. <laughs> okay, once again, and Marge put up verse 23 again, in all of these things, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Well, one more area here. Slaves. Why did he give me that one? <laughs> Slaves. Hmm, because Go ahead, I want to hear this. I'll bet you do, but don't forget the master's verse. Um, anyway, <laughs> we tend to look at this in, in a modern context as employees and employer. So your boss and employee. And some of us are employees and some of us are bosses. And this really takes living a Christian life into a very practical area of the workplace. Do you realize that your work is your ministry? It is your calling? And this says to obey your earthly masters, so obey your bosses in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. In other words, you don't live by when the cat's away. What's the rest of that? The mice will play. The mice play. will play. No, when the cat's away, you do your job even better. Ooh. Do you know people in your workplace? And I don't want staff here to raise their hand. Do you know people in your workplace who <laughs> live by the cat's away? Okay, do they do as little as possible? to earn their paycheck and not their very, very best. You as a Christian, we as Christians, have the responsibility to model doing everything for Christ as we are employees. Do we look at our work as drudgery? Are we grudging about it? Or do we do the very, very best we can do? That verse 23 comes right back into play. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart working for the Lord. So your boss isn't your boss. Your boss is the Lord. I, and I, I thought to myself when I looked at this, I thought of the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart mind, soul, soul and mind, and strength. What if every one of you in your jobs worked at your job that way? Oh my goodness, what a witness you would be. What a witness we all would be if that's the way we approached our job rather than 
<sighs> it's Monday morning, get tomorrow off, but Monday morning, and I have to go to work, and you leave church behind. What a challenge that is to live out the great commandment in your attitude at work. And, and bosses, same thing. I mean, you are not the boss. He is the boss. And so if you treat him as boss, then you're going to treat those who work under you in a similar type of way, where you show them love. Well, you still got to be the boss, but you also have that responsibility to love. Anything else? Well, just said one, enough? Yeah, oh, you have almost. Not All right, quite, go not ahead. Quite, not quite. There's just one thing I observed when I read through this whole passage. Listen to this. Verse 18 and 20 include the words, in the Lord. Verse 22, fear the Lord. Verse 23, done for the Lord. Verse 24, serve the Lord. And verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, know you have a Lord in heaven. Hmm. It's all about him. It changes everything, doesn't it? It does. It is not about us. It is in the Lord. Remember that prescription? We follow directions. God's given us a prescription for life, for family life. Now, it's up to you. You can say, I'm not doing it. I didn't like that sermon. Well, go ahead and say that. That's fine. I didn't like the way they did it. I'm not listening to it. Well, whether you liked it or not, listen to what God's word says. Because that's our responsibility. That's our obligation. And that's our privilege. And that's our privilege. We get to do it. Let's pray. Lord God, thanks for this time. And just the fun of doing this. And Lord, it is our privilege. It is our obligation, yes. But we get, we get to submit. We get to love. We get to obey. We get to the point where we don't push our children away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.